Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. people it is your guy miles david checking back in with you guys and thank you for listening to another episode of missing the point today we are going to be doing a wrap-up me and my good friend brian who actually joined me in uh episode or two ago to preview the u.s open are actually going to do the opposite and do a wrap-up of it we had to bring it full circle for you guys and and continue our banter and funny views or sometimes a little unpopular (laughs) i guess you can say views on the tennis world specifically the u.s open 2020 this was the first grand slam tournament to be hosted during a pandemic sidebar I've just been feeling like adding during a pandemic to anything these days just gives it a nice dollop of dramatics that I'm I'm kind of here for. You know, everything just seems up a notch when you add in the midst of a pandemic behind it. And if you haven't done that yet, you should try it. And maybe you'll feel like a little you feel like a little Superman or something because you can do anything during a pandemic these days. So I'm just playing. Anyway, me and Brian speak all the time about tennis and today is no different we actually begin our conversation or the conversation you guys are going to hear starts off with brian recounting an interaction he actually had with naomi osaka a couple years ago if you didn't know brian is i call him famous adjacent because he has some of the most interesting stories (laughs) regarding tennis and how his life is just almost intertwined with the sport so i couldn't think of anybody else to recap this u.s open with besides him and i hope you guys enjoy our conversation 
I will be back on the other side of that to give you guys a wrap up and maybe even tease some things about what you can expect in the next couple of episodes of Missing the Point with Miles David. So sit back, relax. I don't know why I say sit back and relax because you definitely could be listening to this in your car while you wash dishes, while you do your laundry or whatever you're doing. Just make sure you're relaxing as best you can and listening to all of the things that we have to say, whether they're crazy or not. I'm just appreciative that you're listening. So let's go ahead and get into it. Spoiler alert, me and Brian had this conversation via Zoom, as have all of my podcast conversations have gone. And if you hear random stuff in the background, just to know that it is 2020. And like I said, we are amidst the pandemic. And this is how conversations have to flow okay i know you've been in a zoom meeting before and i've know i know you've heard some snap crackle and pop so if you hear it in my podcast pay it dust just like you would your coworkers. bad internet connection okay internet connection is good and that's all i had to say okay bye continue listening about like the players hotel because we needed to like they made us like print out the things or whatever so we mm-hmm. went and like found a random printer um and she walked right past me as we were really? like going into yeah as we were going into the hotel, and obviously at that point no one knew who she was because this was like the first week of Indian Wells 2018, mm-hmm. and like she walked by like ten people and like no one no went. one was she like oh look at her yeah literally no one even knew who she was and then of course me I'm like oh it's Naomi even the person <laughs> I was with because I went with my friend Tim he was one of my coworkers so that uh-huh. he and I went together. And I was like, that was Naomi Osaka who just walked right past us. And he was like, who? He was like, that was her. I was like, yeah, that was her. And then, of course, who like, said that? I know, of course, five months later, she won the US Open. But Should we just talk about the elephant in the room? Is What's the elephant? Djokovic? Uh, yeah, you're spot on. <laughs> <laughs> you guessed it. You guessed it, buddy. <laughs> the elephant he <laughs> has been an elephant in the room since last week when did that incident happen september something happened. right i think it was a was it a saturday or a sunday well today is the sunday september 13th when we're recording this and i feel like i've never seen as much or as many pictures of djokovic just in my lifetime as i've seen over the past couple of days on my feed coming up in like youtube notifications like i'm just kind of tired <laughs> of seeing his face um and i already wasn't really interested in seeing his face a lot more because of everything he's been doing for like this whole entire <laughs> quarantine period um and you know it's big when non-tennis people are talking about it because like i have people who don't <laughs> even know what a tennis ball is they're like how default score. how do you what does that mean what does default mean <laughs> yeah it's like my friends who who literally have never played tennis i'm like tell them i'm gonna go play and they're like oh don't pull a djokovic i'm like how did you isn't that even... something though you know actually that um you know what's going on i've never even mentioned any tennis reference ever that um goes to show or at least gives me a little bit of like antidote of tennis becoming a broader sport you know Mm -hmm. um i think espn finally getting like all three slams but that contract is kind of 
I'm getting so off task. But that contract, I love how you said all three slams. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> the ones the ones that I I care about the most are on ESPN. Sorry, I didn't even mean it like that. I wasn't even intentionally trying to shade the French Open, but we'll get to them. <laughs> un- unintention- unintentional shade. <laughs> Super unintentional. Um, I have to stop saying um before the before the Twitter uh Twitter bots get me. Some person said I said oh, too much, and I was like, "Girl, you listened, but thank you, I appreciate it." <laughs> you listened, and you had to hear me say um, which I'm grateful for. Just don't be rude about it. Um, see, look, there I go saying um. You know, <laughs> funny, funny enough, you know, Naomi actually was just saying that. Or I listened to, I can't find it anywhere, but I listened to. Naomi do like her her ESPN interview with like I think it was Renee Stubbs. I know it was Chris Everett and probably Chris McKendry. Um, I think it was Mary Mary Jo, Mary jo. Chris McKendry, and and Chrissy. Yeah, Chris Everett. And then no, there was was wait, maybe that was a different match. But there's a guy that um he has a very very strong British accent. That covers it. Jason Goodall. Boom. See, this is why this is why it works. <laughs> he, I think he was talking to her after some post match, but I don't know if it was the final. It might have been the semifinal. I'm not hundred mm-hmm. percent sure. Yeah, at the end of, I did catch her say at the when she, after she won, they were like, "Oh, you're you know you're really growing into your own." She's like. I still say um and like too much. And they're like, oh, but you're, you know, but you're still improving. I mean, so she's, a, become... she's a three-time major champ. I would take that over saying a couple of ums and likes. She I just got a $3 million that. check. You can say um and like as much as you want to. Exactly. Okay, so hear me out. I know me and you were talking previously, and you said you were never really a fan of Djokovic, right? Like from the get-go, 07, 08. Like when he originally jumped on the scene, you weren't like on the Djokovic bandwagon at all. Mm-mm. I have to admit, like here on my own on my own podcast, like before I give him the verbal lashing that I feel like his actions required. Verbal lashing is a bit much, maybe. <laughs> I just want to talk about it. How about that? I just want to talk about it because I feel like it's worth talking about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, obviously I'm talking about Novak Djokovic being defaulted from the U.S. Open 2020. If you watch the incident, how many times have you watched the incident, Brian? (laughs) I've probably seen the clip, let's say, 25 to 30 times, maybe? It is definitely making its rounds on TV, on social networks, (laughs) just ads, memes, all kind of stuff. Um, Everywhere. It's everywhere. I just don't think how you could look at the recording of that, even if you look at it in slow-mo. In slow-mo, the line judge's actions make so much more sense if you really look at it in slow-mo, but then people go to the slow-mo replay of the incident and try to make it seem like he didn't hit the ball that hard. <laughs> and I just, I've heard several people say that. Like, oh, he didn't hit it that like, hard. I can see if you are, you kind of have to be, in my opinion, you kind of have to be disillusioned as a Novak Djokovic fan to use that as like your swinging argument, you know, as to as to like why he didn't deserve to be defaulted. Mm-hmm. Those 
or him specifically, if you do any kind of like more than surface level research on tennis equipment, rackets in particular, if you like, if you were to go to Dick Sporting Goods or Academy or something and pick up a tennis racket, which I'm sure a good percentage of people do just to get interested in sport and like have something to play with that's not $250. <laughs> um, <laughs> Those are not the rackets, the dicks, the dicks, the academies. Those are not the rackets that these professionals are playing with. There's a reason that their ground streak, <laughs> there's a reason that their ground stroke speed gets up to 90 miles an hour sometimes, and their serves go to 140 sometimes. He did that tap in an aggressive manner. Anybody that's ever, I mean, if you've played tennis, you definitely know. And if you've seen a tennis match, you should know like some general idea of how tennis players react when they get angry. Hitting the ball is like, what, top two? You don't hit the ball with just like, unless you're like hitting the ball to the back fence to like stay out of play. If you just lost a point, you don't hit the ball with like a little cotton candy hit you hit it because you're frustrated because you just lost the point and he just lost the game so to say that he didn't really hit it that hard he was clearly frustrated and had shown other with other actions of frustration prior to that including hitting a ball already and we're gonna go into soft warnings because i feel like there's like a second layer to his incident which doesn't Mm -hmm. really sit well with me but let me finish the first layer <laughs> the first layer is just the fact that if you look at it black and white x y and z it was a defaultable situation you hit a ball the ball literally went directly in the line the lines woman throat the line woman's throat she collapsed because she collapsed and even if she just even if she took it like a champ, even if she was just like, <laughs> and didn't drop. No reaction. Somebody would have noticed right. that because you you don't get hit in the throat and make no noise. You know what I mean? In an in right. in already empty Arthur Ashe Stadium. <laughs> it was already it's empty. It's a jarring that, thing to happen yeah. too. Like that, the throat is, as everyone knows, a very sensitive part of everyone the body. Everyone should know that. <laughs> like that is, that is. It's basically like your epicenter besides your brain. It's like your, everything is connected right there. Like <laughs> and there's not a lot of like protective Mm-mm, covering it's not your chest. at all. <laughs> no. But I think what people kept getting lost in in the whole hysteria or whatever is that like it wasn't the extent of the hit that caused the default it's like it's the action of hitting Mm -hmm. and whether or not she kind of like we say she could have not made a sound she could have not fallen to her knees it could have grazed her shoulder and he still could be defaulted because it's it's not how much you injure the person yeah it's the fact that you're doing something that is unsafe boom there that's it there's there's nothing there's layers to it because any other tennis like if you don't know i mean i guess this i want my podcast to speak to people that already know tennis and people that don't but if you don't know about tennis there are warnings that players get before they get to a point where disqualification is something that's on the table where whether you like swear at the umpire or you smash your racket or you just do something or curse cursing is usually the one that gets them unsportsmanlike conduct 
warning. And if you keep doing that, then you get disqualified. Like if you keep getting warnings, I think it's up to your third or it varies sometimes between what the actual offense is. But that's all in the nature of tennis being like a good old <laughs> good fella sport. You know, because that's, right. that's where the origins of it are and they just want to be seen as like a gentleman's respectful sport. Which, <laughs> like, I play tennis today and <laughs> I played singles and I definitely hit Tramiel, like, in square in the chest. Not purposely. Tramiel is who my, my <laughs> tennis partner today. Shout out to Tramiel if he's ever listening to this. Um, Mr. Howard. <laughs> Empathy. And like, should their, should their be any sort of update to, like, it, the old school gentleman sport and such, like, manners and not know, showing it, emotions? I think there just should be, like, less, a lesser of a gap between when those rules were made <laughs> and since right. we've last updated them, if that makes any sense. Because it definitely should be adjusted sense. to the, where society is right now. And if they can adjust things like electronic ball uh, calling, right, they can adjust like actual rules that organize and coordinate the sport, you know? Yeah, because something as simple as, I mean, cursing, I mean, I don't, personally, I don't curse, but <laughs> if you look at any professional athlete, like, see my face. <laughs> <laughs> they NBA, NFL, like MLB, like it's it's rampant and it's like it's the norm. Them cursing. So it's like Yeah. yeah so it's like so. and it's not and it's not any sort of, you know, um warning or any sort of like penalty for it. So it's kind of in that sense, tennis is always one of those sports that is kind of relies on tradition and this is how we've always done things and we don't really want to update part of that is until because it's like it took so long 50 for... years too late. <laughs> I guess any other points you want to hammer home about Mr. Novak? His situation reminded me of something like a Karen situation because it was mm-hmm. very like lack of ownership to the event and he has issued apologies via his social network like twitter and instagram but mm-hmm. in the moment which is kind of when i feel like you get the most authentic representation of who someone is and i go back to me hitting my hitting the player i was hitting with today like when it happened i immediately was just like are you okay like do you need to help up and they were like reassuring like no i'm good he <laughs> basically gave her a hand and was like, oh, it was more of like a, oh, shit, I can't believe I did that. Then, uh, and are he you was okay? smiling like the whole time. Yeah, because he's he, smiling and smirking. It was, I think it was a smirk because he feels like, oh, my God, this can't be happening to me. Because a lot has, right. been, a lot has been happening to him. So I, I can kind of see that viewpoint as a as a human like damn this can't be happening again so let me find let me <laughs> let me find the the humor in this but in that mm-hmm. moment it really and even like some of the pictures that have been taken of the line judge she looking back like, <laughs> like <laughs> her eyes really looking like wow you're not even gonna like make sure i get off the court and you just hit me in my throat <laughs> at like easily 50 miles per hour <laughs> like come on uh-huh. And then another part that didn't really sit well with me is that, I mean, granted, in his situation, it makes sense that he's going to try to plead his case. But he was like, no, you don't have to do this. You can just default me like a game or a set. He's like, like, but not the whole match. He's like, I don't don't have any 
I don't have things like this in my past. Like this is all very new for but me. But like, to Karen, like trying to plead her case not exactly. to get into a, a a police officer's car for clearly doing something that was wrong. <laughs> this is for a rule that's like very, very cut black and, and white. Very black and white. It's very come <laughs> very black and white situation. It's like, but no, but no I'm the number one. I player. bake cookies on the on the weekends for my kindergartner's class. This is not like me. Can you please just kind of let me go or give me a ticket or something? Like that's literally what it sounded like. But Basically. I guess I get his pleading, his pleading his case. I get it. But right. in the moment, it felt really self-centered. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do himself any favors when he walked off the court and didn't speak to any press either. Gift press. And then even which is also, apology. Which is also a findable thing. So you were like racking up the Right. <laughs> right. Even in his social media apology, he didn't say, I apologize for hitting her. He said... I apologize for the stress that I have caused, which kind of like detaches himself from the situation. It's more so apologizing that she had stress and not for apologizing for what he did. Detached is a great word because it really does feel like Djokovic sometimes lives somewhere else, you know, (laughs) or like just has a different set of agenda. And he comes across like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that I never was a fan of him because back in 2008, when he kind of like first had his major breakthrough, literally he won his first Grand Slam in 2008 at the Australian Open. I was happy because at that point, if you do your research, it was literally just Roger Federer winning everything and Rafael Nadal winning the French Open for like three years in a row, almost four. Um, Yeah. So I was just finally happy to be like, oh, this is somebody new and like younger-ish that I can support. Anyway. Enough about Djokovic and his Karen energy. So as we were recording this, we already know who the winners of the US Open 2020 are. The women's singles, the winner was, can I get like a drum roll or something? The winner was Naomi Osaka, who actually has won at the US Open previously in 2018 and she also won the Australian Open in 2019 so this now makes her a three-time major champion and she beats Victoria Azarenka who is a former number one in the world uh player or former number one in the world ranked player Mm -hmm. she has won two majors herself back in 2012 and 2013 at the Australian Open and it was a three-set match I think it was I think that wasn't what I had in mind for a final because honestly, I went into it thinking it was going to be a little bit of a shit show. Mm. But somewhere in that shit show, I wanted Serena to be lifting the trophy because that's kind of how I always feel at this point. Mm -hmm. But if it wasn't going to be Serena, I'm happy seeing Naomi lift the trophy. Um, I was nervous because of one... She played pretty much the entire tournament with this really, really heavy strapping on her thigh, which is a la Serena 2010. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Very, very taped all over. Not as much tape. Serena was really, really taped up that tournament. I don't know know how she won that. Sorry. But yeah, Naomi won. I think that she really put on a 
mature performance, not just in the final, but the final was like a culmination kind of of her maturity and her game because she actually lost a couple of sets. Like her matches were not easy breezy um, to get to the final. (laughs) Even the, the semifinal actually should be a match that is in contention for the best matches of the year. Actually, both of those semifinals, but a little bit of a nudge to Naomi Osaka and Jennifer Brady, who was also the semifinalist. She is a American female tennis player. I don't know. I think she's from, she's from Pennsylvania. I forget where Jennifer But I know she from. did actually. She was part of UCLA. She was a Bruin. She was. Wait, was she? She was a Bruin, right? Yes. Okay, I thought so. Yeah. I'd be trying to keep my ears open <laughs> and, like, <laughs> pick up the tidbits. But it was good to see somebody that went through the college system kind of have a breakout result, but also Mm -hmm. Jennifer Brady, if you keep up with tennis, has actually been playing really well since the beginning of the year. It just kind of sucked that there was a major gap in it because of the pandemic, but it kind of feels like she picked up right where she left off, if not improved, (laughs) because I don't know if too many people would have picked going into the year. Jennifer Brady to be a U.S. Open semifinalist. Right. I wish I could contribute more, but as you know, uh, for my mental and physical health, did not watch either of the semifinals. And even for the finals, I did not watch until the third set because I, yeah, I just, well, partially because of that. And then partially I was like working, like doing some construction work randomly with my yeah i mean life life happens especially during um during a grand slam a major like it's two weeks and it feels like the two weeks in some ways drags out forever but in other ways it feels like it flies by yeah you feel like you're losing sleep especially at the u.s open because they have night sessions which maybe this is an unpopular opinion but i really don't like when the females are on the last part of the schedule for the night session. Only because- Which I think didn't happen too often. It doesn't happen too often, but I remember being a fan of tennis where it didn't happen at all. (laughs) The women were always before the men, just because if you think about it, they play, their time on the court should be very different because it's a best of three on the women's side compared to a best of five. So as we see with the men's final that took a little over four hours Mm -hmm. um, featuring Alexander Zverev. I didn't think I was going to butcher his name like that. His name is Alexander Zverev. The commentators really be, (laughs) they'd be like, they they will say Zverev and Zverev. And I'm like, just pick one and stick with it. Like there's just like, too many different variations going on. Zverev is my favorite one because it puts like Zverev. a it puts an S and an A and then in front of the Zverev. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a he was yeah. actually a finalist in the U.S. Open on the men's single side, and he lost a interesting, interestingly <laughs> boring yet in some ways refreshing, yet in other ways difficult to watch final. Lots of ups and downs for sure. Lots, lots it, it's things, weird. Lots of because, Yeah. Because even though he went up two sets to love, 
I still had an inkling the whole time the team was going to win just because he's done that before. <laughs> that ser- that second serve is so, Man. it's so shaky. It's six, six. And that and, second serve sometimes yeah. bounces. <laughs> Which He was hitting second serves in the 70s. And for someone 70 that gets miles to per hour, something like, on a first serve, that's a huge drop. Yeah, it's like most of the top women, their second yeah. serves are in the 80s and 90s. Could do that, I think exactly. <laughs> so it's like for someone with so much talent, such a good big serve, number not five only, seed at that. <laughs> yeah, to not only not you know serve really well, but also be throwing in so many double faults on something that as a professional, you practice those day in and day out. So it's just so, so strange that it, it tends to keep coming up in the, the worst situations. But I mean, I was definitely glad that he was able to win the first two that, to at least make it interesting because he, he played very, very well those first two sets and even in the fifth as well. But team was just too, too strong. It's today. interesting. He definitely deserved it. It's interesting that you say that because he was also down two sets in the semifinals against Pablo Carino Busta of Spain, mm-hmm. who was basically mm-hmm. taking Novak Djokovic's route to the final, pretty much, because that's the player that got the go forth and prosper <laughs> from <laughs> Djokovic's uh, dequalification in the fourth round. Right. It was, it was just nice to see two people although it was really, really tough to watch because it was almost like they were both, <laughs> I kept thinking of somebody with like a hot potato and be like, I don't want it. <laughs> you can take it, you take they it, I don't want it, you can take it. I don't want it, you can take it. Yeah. <laughs> Just back and forth. Well, I think it was what, in the third set, um, Zverev was actually like, they said six points away, which was, in tennis terms, might as well be a mile away. It was away. like two a couple was times. Was it two? Yeah. <laughs> He definitely in, wait in the third set. Oh, in the third set, no, was, not not in the third set. The <laughs> yes, so in the he could have closed it out in three in three sets because it was he was up two sets and then it was four all in the third set, and then it was four all. Team was serving at thirty all, so it's like if you just get a quick two points, that's a break, and you serve it out. But you I mean, can win you're, in did sets. you did you hear what you just said? You get a quick break and then you serve it out after serving. Second, second serves at seventy miles per hour. He didn't just. Well, no, that didn't that didn't come until the fifth. But set. still, like that's, that's also in the back of his mind. Like my second serve can right. definitely go a little wonky. <laughs> so I think right, but the fact that he was so close to like. I hope it doesn't sting him too much because watching it, watching. I the, don't think it will. It, it really shouldn't because, in all honesty, there's two players that really could be in his position. I think. Borna Chorich, who we lost to in the quarterfinals, outplayed him for a majority of that match. It just was the really, really small points that Chorich didn't execute on that made that match or gave that match the result it had. And then in the semifinals, for him to come out so... I was watching the semifinals from Alexander Zverev. I feel like we're talking about him more than we're talking about Dominique. But Dominique, you're going to get your shot. Don't worry. (laughs) You already got it. You won. Yeah. <laughs> he can he can keep doing more damage. It wouldn't surprise me if he makes another final a couple weeks later. Because he likes the clay as well. Yeah, he, I think he's really that ball bounces up almost better in his strike zone. But I was actually surprised 
pleasantly surprised, but surprised nonetheless, that he has decent hands up at net. I don't know where that came from, or maybe I just wasn't watching intensely enough, but he can he can play mm-hmm. up at net. And that, that wasn't something I thought was like a also in his game. So to see him kind of pull it out in tight junctures of the match was nice. But yeah. the ultimate winner was Dominic Team. And it's nice to like say that the winner is Dominic Team because he's been in four finals. Or that was his fourth final? That was his fourth fourth final. He had lost his three prior. So anybody that like, I mean, you can apply it to all kinds of situations. You don't want to like fail at something four times in a row. (laughs) That wouldn't be fun for anybody. So I really felt that he had been knocking on the door, especially at the beginning of this year. He really played Djokovic well. It's just that he kind of took his foot off the pedal um, in that match and Djokovic was just ready for it because he, he's always ready for it because that's the kind of player he is. Right. But it was nice. And then on the other hand, you have Naomi who she's 3-0 and in her finals. She's she's 9-0 and when she gets to the quarterfinals. <laughs> yeah, so it's like once she gets yeah. to the second the second week, it's like those are like looking like Serena numbers. I was just like, about to say don't... that but I didn't want to jinx her. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get to the, as they say, the business end of the tournament, she's ready for business. And I think that she really has a, which is odd because the winners of on the women's side and the men's side are different to me. But I also think they're entertaining. I, well, I think Osaka is a lot more entertaining than, than team is. But I, I don't mind watching a team match except for the fact that he stands in Egypt all the time. He stands so far far back, and it just seems like he's exerting so much energy with every string, with every swing, because he's so far back. (laughs) And it's just like, and even on the seventy mile an hour serves where he was not coming into the court, it's like you know he's about to serve at seventy. He's about to give you a pop tart. (laughs) (laughs) Go toast it. Like, what do you? What do you mean? Exactly. What would you say is like your favorite takeaway? from Osaka specifically from the U.S. Open? I like how you mentioned the maturity factor. Like, I feel like her game is, she feels very confident. And even in the situations and the sets or the matches where, like, she wasn't playing well, like, for instance, the first set of the final, she doesn't let it rattle her. So she's very, she's kind of grown into her own when it comes to her game. And she knows what she needs to do, and she kind of just does it. Um, and I feel like that'll give her confidence to probably go on a, a little run and, and, you know, win more because um, she definitely has the game for it. And, and you think she has the game for too. different services besides hard? Remains to be seen. I think she, will, I think she will give seen. her best effort, I think. Yeah. But what you were saying about, like, her being mature, it's interesting because that's almost – a total different player compared to when we last saw her in a major at the Australian Open when she lost to Coco. She didn't look very mature or able to kind of brush off small things very well at all. Mm-hmm. So to see her kind of come through, although it's been a while since <laughs> Australia, that's only, well, I guess it is kind of, a, I mean, nine months. A lot can happen in nine months, <laughs> especially with quarantine and, and kind of being forced to be a little bit more are being forced to be a little bit more introspective. She probably just tapped into certain things in her in herself that she didn't always know maybe was there. 
would always happen there. Because mm-hmm. I really do think she could be good for the sport, or she is good for the sport, I should say. And one thing we didn't mention is she really wanted to wear those seven masks, too. The fact that she really did it, <laughs> I give her like, I, I had she, to really put the word, I did a, I did a, a Instagram reels on, my, on the on the Instagram podcast page. And I really couldn't think of a song that summed up her run in relation to wearing those seven masks. I was thinking, I didn't want to go too like dark Black Lives Matter E because I wanted to keep it light because she did win and it was like a, a happy moment, even though she was representing something that's really sad if you really sit down and think about it. The names of those people, a lot of which have not gotten right. justice, that's sad, but I wanted to keep it to keep it a little light for Instagram, I guess. She literally mm-hmm. said, "I'm well. I'm. I'm going. I brought seven, so you're going to see me in the final." And literally did just that. That's that's boss stuff. Yeah. That's that's really that's really boss stuff. Mm-hmm. And every time she was faced, because she didn't, she didn't come out of the woodworks in the tournament, firing on every right. cylinder. She didn't. She wasn't firing. Like I don't. I think the cleanest match she might have played was against Contavit in the quarterfinals. Or no, Contity was the fourth right. round. She may have played, didn't she beat Shelby Rogers in straight sets? She, I believe so. And Contivit was, like was also set. three and four. Oh, Contivit was a, was a straight setter? Yes, they were both three and four. Cool. I like how she has that. Oh, no, she killed Camilla Georgie. Oh, yeah, I forgot one. about it. She was up Camilla Georgie's ass for a second. <laughs> I watched that match, and she did get her off the court rather quickly. She sure did. Oh, we forgot about the head wrap, too. I liked, I liked the, the head wrap. And the, head wrap and the for her post-match, her post-match winner's pictures? Yes, that was... That Very, was it's different, but I like choice. it. Yeah, I didn't know she was so into her eccentric side, but I guess she should be. She's definitely, <laughs> she's definitely a black woman, and I'd like to see the right. embracing it more. So go Naomi. <laughs> well, speaking of a black woman, we definitely haven't talked much about Serena Williams. Is that on purpose? Are you are you feeling a little bit like are, are you experiencing some deep seated emotions <laughs> or scarring? <laughs> because if you are, you can talk to me about it. Because I definitely understand. Trust me, I understand. <laughs> It's still, so I physically have not seen the semifinal. I have not seen highlights of the semifinal. So in my mind, she never actually lost because I I didn't actually see her lose. I didn't see her do the the makeshift handshake. I didn't see anything. So in my my head, it still hasn't happened. So I think I'm still in denial that that it even though we know that they'll be one to yeah. um, you. from what I hear she had like I've been there an Achilles problem yes. too which I, I don't know how much that affected the match because obviously I didn't see it so hopefully it's nothing that's going to be too lingering at the point that, that, that Achilles way. thing happened I think the momentum had already shifted so it was right. kind of like no pun intended adding insult to injury <laughs> yeah. in a way when she got to three love and then ultimately won that first set, I was like, this is what we've been waiting on. Right. Especially because I thought it was going to come against Sloan Stevens and we had to scratch our way through that. It didn't come in the next round. Oh, the next, the next round really wasn't that easy because it was a tough draw because she had just played Maria Sakari the week before and lost to her. But that match 
was seven six in the third, was it not? Oh no, it wasn't seven six. Oh, in Cincy. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, was it seven wait, six in the third of the U.S. Open? Or am I just making that up? <laughs> yeah, you're making that up. <laughs> well, maybe I'm just. It maybe was. I'm just so it used was. To them. It was seven six in the tiebreak at in the okay, second got set. You, got at, you, got uh, you. At Western and Southern. But that wasn't a topic in the US Open either? No. Let me double check this. No. <laughs> she might have played one, but it, it wasn't against soccer. Yes, she did. At this US Open, she... <laughs> no, I'm oh, in the, sec- in the second set. <laughs> in the second, in the second set, second yes. Set, yes. She, played a, she played a tiebreaker. I know I'm not that crazy. <laughs> second set, yes. Speaking of tiebreakers, she... Could have gotten to one easily. Thank God she didn't, I guess. Um, to Parankova, who, who was also another mother. Um, another March of another the mother in the tournament who did well or did exceedingly well past their expectations, I guess, besides Serena, because I'm sure she wanted to win this. And just looking at the, the way it played out, I'm not, I don't want to be pessimistic because she's still my fave and I think that she can get this done. But I also think that there's no need for me as a fan and for the fan base of of Serena's as a whole to put so much pressure out there towards getting this number 24 because we already have we already have the open air record and the way we got that open the way we surpassed the open air era record was with a baby in our stomach like you can't <laughs> and we didn't lose a set So if you think back to those times, 2017 Australian Open is what I'm referring to. Those were good times in life. I remember staying, I actually was, I think I was actually sitting where I'm sitting right now, actually, which is weird. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember basically rooting Venus and Serena on to get to to that final and play each other. And now fast forward over three years, there's this number 24 that Serena just, just so happens to not be able to cross and they talk about it with every single loss and it's just like yeah I will say in their defense that when it comes to the commentators and anyone who's like even somewhat remotely well-versed in tennis I feel like everyone considers her the GOAT already do you really think that though because I I think there are for every person that thinks she's a GOAT I think do you think they're just saying it no I think that there are people that genuinely do not think of think of Serena Williams as a GOAT it's frustrating. Because... Who are these people? <laughs> Sometimes. It... I mean, are these people? Because are they people just in, Serena? They're haters? not people in my life. I don't think. I think people in everybody in my life knows how much I love Serena and how much she actually is the goat. Because you, just when you, when you. But those people, to be fair, those people, even if she has twenty five, they're not going to think she's the goat. Like, so it's not even worth. Because they're Serena haters. Arguing. You think? Yeah. But, so but, yeah. So it's but not. My thing is, they don't. My thing is getting twenty four is not going to make her the growth for it. But why, but why do we even have to have the conversation? Like, why is the finish line being moved? Like, why is that being something of a conversation when if anybody else, if Sharapova, I hate to, I don't hate to use that as an example, but depending on who you ask, Sharapova was supposed to be like the next Serena. We know how that worked out because it didn't work out too well. Mm. If Sharapova had went on to win 23 Grand Slams, I do not feel there would be such <laughs> is she really? Or does she really have to get to 24? People would basically still be celebrating the fact that she won in 2017. 
they let that highlight just just like how she won in two thousand four. <laughs> they let that highlight reel just keep going, keep going, keep going. I don't, I don't, I don't really think so. I really, think, I think. I don't. I think Serena obviously puts a lot of the pressure on herself, and that's like an kind of the reason why she's out there. Yeah, because I mean, she just she likes to have records, and like you said, it's for people who aren't well versed in tennis. Like they don't, probably don't even know the difference difference between open air and non open. <laughs> it air, is a little confusing. Kind of stuff. It is a little confusing. It's very confusing. I have to make but, a podcast about that, or just like tennis one hundred and one. For people that yeah are listening and supporting, but to be fair, if Serena was at if Serena was at, let's say she won the four that she just recently lost, and let's say she was at twenty seven, I still think she would be playing. You think she would be playing if she had won twenty seven slams? I think so. Why? Why would you do that to herself with a baby? Because <laughs> she thinks she can win. I think she's. I mean. I, I highly doubt that record will be touched anytime soon, if ever. Um, but I feel like as long as she thinks that she can win, I think she's going to be out there. I can't even believe I'm thinking like this, but I used to be sold on the fact that if Serena Williams played her best, she was winning that match. Whether she took, yeah. whether it was from start to finish, but if she brought out her best, the W was basically hers. I don't know if I feel the same way. I think that two things are happening. I think it's harder for her to get up to her best consistently. And you need that to happen basically one out of every two days for two weeks (laughs) at a Grand Slam. And I think that, yeah, I mean, like, (laughs) (laughs) it's not easy. easy. She's, She's made it look easy, but at almost 39 years old, that's not necessarily an easy task. And second of all, in that in the time that one she took away from a mother, and two the times that she is basically I don't want to say exposing her flaws, but she has lost to people on huge stages. If if you're a smart coach and you're about to and your players about to play Serena, you don't think they're gonna like go to one of those wins for some kind of insight on how to get a get their player a W. She's giving people I don't want to say a blueprint, but the footage is out there, basically. Basically what it is, the, yeah. the footage is out there of how to beat Serena, and this is how those people have done it. And I also don't think, I said, wow, I sound like Chris Ever, yikes. But I, I think she makes a solid point about this. I don't think the players are scared to play her as much. And I think part of the intimidation factor that, um, that existed was because she hit so hard. And she does hit hard now. Mm-hmm. I just think that there are players that can either one to reciprocate that or do it better more consistently than her and that's actually part of the reason why as a ranker presents a little bit of a problem for her because as a ranker to me is not super powerful but what she is good at is standing on the baseline not moving and basically redirecting all of your shots with maybe not as much pace but more pace than what should be coming back off of a good shot. Does that make sense? <laughs> She's basically like an aggressive backboard. <laughs> like a backboard that's not moving and I'm literally hitting your shot back to you with interest, you know? Not a counter puncher, but definitely not right. like a swing and the point is over. She does not play like <laughs> that. And that is a bad matchup for Serena now 
because if you've watched her over the years, is she a great like off the mark mover? Yes, but her covering right. her, her covering every inch of the court like tram line to tram line or doubles alley to double doubles alley and getting in and out of the corners. It's just not like it it used to be. But how could it be after <laughs> giving birth and being almost thirty nine years old? You know. So right. I think she's juggling with learning how to win with what she has right now and the fact that people are getting hit to what to do against her. And then she also, with this US Open, she ran into somebody that hadn't lost a match in a couple of weeks. So they were feeling really confident. Right. You know, Vika Azarenka had just won the tournament prior to um, the U.S. Open, which was played on the U.S. Open's yeah. ground, the Western and Southern. She won that tournament. So she was like already on a six match win streak or something like that. Then the five more to get to the semis or yeah, the five more to get mm -hmm. to, to semis and boom, you got a recipe for disaster. So it's, it's when I break it down like that and I say it like all, <laughs> I say it like that, I definitely feel like I need to get more comfortable with just being happy that I get to watch her. That's kind of the place where I am right now. It's like, like we are very lucky that they even like, I think what you mentioned about her, if she had 27 slams, she would still want to compete. I think we're very lucky that it went that route and that Richard, <laughs> their dad was actually wrong about something. Cause he predicted that he basically predicted everything that actually happened about their career, except for the fact that, they were going to have the longevity that they're having. Right. I didn't think, I don't think they thought they would be in the game. I mean, Serena already said it's on tape at the Wimbledon press conference that if she was on the court at 38, that somebody needs to come like take her off the court. And here we are. <laughs> She's about to be 39. Right. So I'm, I'm just happy to be in a position where I can be talking about her still. And it still be like she's she still is an active player, so I'll I'll take it in a semifinals of a major when you haven't played <laughs> for months due to a pandemic. It's still not bad. It's really not right. And this is what I actually meant to say about the to going back to the Djokovic situation and as it relates to the next gen. Sometimes when there's like a break in the draw, the next gen isn't there to like take grasp of the opportunity when. Djokovic got defaulted, the Zverevs, the Medvedevs, the Tsitsipas, the team, the Felix, Azure, Aliassim, the Tiafo. Who else was still on the draw? Uh, oh. Tsitsipas was already gone at that point. No, he wasn't. <laughs> yes, was he was. Was he really? Was that the night before? Yes, I, it was. It was the night before. Tsitsipas happened in, in the day session. Djokovic got defaulted. <laughs> Well, at least we still got Tiafo in there, and he's part of the conversation. But I feel like everybody that made the quarterfinals should have a should have not a not a target on their back, but they should feel some type of way. And even if they aren't like in their mid or early twenties, like most of the next geners are, they should feel like they accomplished something because they made the quarterfinals of U.S. Open, which is which is nothing to which is nothing to laugh at. I'm just glad we can stop calling team next gen who's 27. I was, just, He's like I was basically 30 years old. I was about to say that. <laughs> I will, like, well, wait, 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 wait. I'm 27. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 27. And I think actually just thinking about it as regards to age, 
when you look back on his on his trajectory of his career although it's been mostly up there's been things in it that could have been kind of I guess, I guess for lack of a better no, term, earth shattering to him. Like, it could have like threw him off of his game, but he kept going, kept improving. And this is kind of like the fruit of his labor. So I felt happy for them. I felt bad for Zverev to kind of be in a position to finally get what everybody said he may <laughs> never get or something because of how he plays. But I think, search for it. do you think, so I guess, hot button question, who do you think is going to have more majors once their careers are over, Zverev or team? Whew, that's tough. It's not, a yes, I mean, I guess it's not a yes or no answer. It's kind of like a guesstimation based off of results that we saw today in the final, actually. <laughs> it's tough only because of their age difference and the fact How that... How are they friends? No, the age difference. No, yeah, but I'm thinking, Just, how are they friends now? Because they were... Cause, not Djokovic. They're four years apart, so it's like you would think... Because, I mean, team is going to have to deal with the big three for at least another two, maybe three years. So I guess he's happy he got it while he could get it. <laughs> yeah, so that at that point, that makes team already in his early 30s. But what if Djokovic takes this whole situation and just like, you know what, I'm... I'm Crumbles. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to see him crumble. I don't want to <laughs> see him crumble. But it would be... You know what rhymes with crumble? Humble. Djokovic could definitely take a good... <laughs> slice of humble pie out of this whole situation. I don't necessarily want to see him crumble, I, but he definitely he definitely got humbled. He definitely did, for sure. Yeah. I would say if if team and Zverev were the same age, I would say team would get more hands down. But because he has more of a consistent package. Yeah, but because Zverev is four years younger, I think it could go it could go either way. Because it a lot of times with tennis, it's not really so much about how good you are it's how good the rest of your competition is and i feel like that's one thing that people <laughs> that would Roger say Federer about has 20 grand slams <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people would say that about like steffi graf and her getting 22 is that steffi like graf she did not very, have the steffi graf's main opponent had a very punctual thing that happened to make her resume a little bit asterisky not like fully asterisky that's not really a word but if you if you take away what happened to Monica Sellers, do you think that Steffi Graf would have gotten the 22? Definitely It not. wasn't shaping out that way. That, it was not shaping It does way. not. I mean, and don't get me wrong, it doesn't take away from her 22. Right. You got to put it in the full scope. Like when you tell the story, you got to yeah. tell the whole darn story. <laughs> yeah, but the level of someone's success definitely contributes to the people that were there. For instance, if Serena Williams didn't exist, Venus would probably have like twenty something. I mean, I just knew Venus was not going to be stuck at seven. At least ten, I'd say. At at least least fifteen. I would say I would give her at least three more slams. She deserves three more. She should not be sitting at seven. I'd say fifth. I'd say (laughs) fifteen. Because you figure the amount that she lost to her, not only just in the finals, but also the rounds leading up to the finals. 15. <laughs> Easy. Did you think the, well, I'm, I'm curious to know, how did you think it went with the fans not being there? It was fine for me. Like, there was definitely moments where, like, 
you know a crowd would have been crazy. Like for instance, this the CC Pass Chorich yeah. match, like you know, the crowd would have been going wild and points like that. And even the final today, um, there was points where you know, the crowd just would have infused like that extra element of excitement. But going back to my mental and physical health, I <laughs> had enough excitement. That you didn't even watch the matches you're talking about. But going back to that, <laughs> going back to that, without the crowd even being there, I'm already have enough energy, watching from excitement, home. blood rushing by myself yeah. with no crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, for sure. It's like, yeah, they were missed, but it still felt like I was like still in here screaming for Venus, even though she lost in the first round. I was still in here. Exactly. Like, you can do it, Venus. Exactly. You can do it. They they put me on the on the virtual uh, fan board. They, they sure did. <laughs> they sure did. I was going to ask, when you recorded your video, did you, did you, like, shadow like you were making noise, or did you actually make noise? I actually think it was a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I think it was a little bit of both. If you guys uh, go to the podcast Instagram, I posted what I saw on TV as I was watching the fourth round match between Taylor Fritz versus Dennis Shapovalov, which is actually, I'm going to ask you a question later, and their match is the answer to one of my questions to you. <laughs> but cool. I want to I say... After the match was finished, actually, because I think that was the first time in a while, even though I say men's tennis is boring, there are some there are some outliers. I would say that Dennis Shapovalov mm-hmm. is an outlier. And I guess I am a little biased because he's left-handed. But even if he wasn't left-handed, <laughs> his game would still be electric enough for me to want to watch. And he really did play a smart, mature match. Um, and I feel like I have to root for him because he's like the North American cousin, you know? And he raps. Is it good rapping? We don't know, but he yeah. does rap. Stream, <laughs> can stream his single on Spotify. <laughs> I've, I think I've already made my um, opinions very clear on the matter. But what are you? What are your thoughts on the electronic line calling, and the future of tennis, and where it should all be implemented? I think it's a crock of shit that they tried to use line calling in the natural way versus line calling in the electronic digital way as like a issue of whether or not Djokovic should be disqualified. (laughs) I think that was a a real bullshit like segue. But I do think that there is some good that is like in the corner of electronic line calling. But I will say Mm. that it takes a little bit out of the drama, just a tad. Like not that I I don't miss players being upset at terrible line calls and not being able, well, I guess I kind of do miss it. (laughs) But I I I don't miss them having a feeling of like being robbed and then the whole tempo of the match change off of something that was wrong, you know? Because I get it, like, yeah, I get it. I feel you on And then that. What, the, what the line system does, basically, if you have never seen a line called, if it's 99% out, <laughs> that, means it's, that means it's 100% in, basically. All it needs is, all right. it needs is like a sliver or a hair or a millimeter. Smallest sliver. Yeah, like, so with the electronic line calling, 
there's no like actually challenging the line umpire's call. You basically just, you can ask for a review, but electronic line calling works as basically a audit, uh, an audible out once the system recognizes the ball with, that was hit was out, whether it be a serve or a forehand or backhand. And it sounds a little weird. I don't even think they were allowing <laughs> the reviews for the U.S. Open. I know they, I know they allowed oh, yeah. it for Western Southern. Yeah. But U.S. Open, you couldn't even ask for a review because it's kind of dumb. It's like the call, the call was made. Like, it's literally just a waste of time. Yeah, I get it. But, like, but, um, but you know how tennis players are. We want to see, like, let me see. Let me see how good. Like, I mean, I guess both ways. Because yeah. if I was playing against somebody and I, they hit a shot that I was like, this, this shot is out. Let me see it. Let me see if I am if I'm crazy or if the you know I I, I get right. that but it's a if they had the technology they should use it but I I do feel like it's taken a small element of entertainment out of the sport but I can for the for the sake of getting it right I can I can I can suffer with that. Wait, so is the Rolling Girls draw coming out Thursday? Is that like days away? Oh, that means we have a lot to record. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I'm like, it can't be coming out. Wait, 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 hold on, pause. You mean it starts in seven days? Wait, you mean to tell me they're going from <laughs> Rolling Girl starts me. in seven days? Seven really? days, really? It's this month, yuck. <laughs> it's literally like seven days away. They really are going from the U.S. Open in New York to the Italian Open in Rome. Straight to Roland Garros in Paris for the mo- for the major. Terrible planning on the French Open's part, but I guess most I think if you were to act like if you were to if you were to poll ten professional tennis players and see would they take that over not playing at all, I think a good eight to nine of them would be like, Yeah, let's just go play. As long as they have like legitimate protocols in place so you're not like just living in a COVID bubble or like a, a bubble full of COVID. <laughs> which remains to be seen on if the French Open will be able to provide something that makes the players feel safe. Interesting, though, that the U.S. Open, interesting about, like, what did happen to the U.S. Open involved French players. That was interesting. So I wonder if the U.S. Open players are going to be under heavy scrutiny when they get to, that would be so unfair. We already struggle on that surface. Probably. All in all, I think it was a successful tournament, all things considered. The people that won, congrats to them. I'm not mad at the people that won. It could have been worse. We could have gotten. Who would you have least liked to see win the U.S. Open? <laughs> Ali Zekrom. <laughs> well, she was almost in the semi. Well, she was in the court. She was almost in the quarters, and she could have played Serena. So we dodged that bullet. Yeah. Dodged that bullet. <laughs> I can't think of a man. If yeah. Isner would have won the U.S. Open, I probably would have been like quitting tennis. Actually. I'd be like, I'm good I don't see why you don't like Israel. <laughs> That's probably another topic for a different show, actually. I mean, I don't, I, I, great for American tennis. I just, he's just not my cup of tea. That's all. Everybody's entitled to their own <laughs> cup of curried tea. Everybody's entitled to it. Got it. That's the way I think about it. it. But I am grateful that you gave me your time again to wrap up the U.S. Open. It remains to be seen if I'm going to call on you again for the French Open. (laughs) 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 I may have to to spread my wings a little bit and get some other other tennis (laughs) guru friends come and give me their information. Because people people probably know that we're going to be rooting for the same people. (laughs) 
Every, everybody but. <laughs> everybody but. My bracket is exactly the same. The same eight women will be making it <laughs> Not if they got Venus playing as Renka in the first round again. Oh my God. But thank you again for putting up with my shenanigans. Of course. I'm sure at this point. Of course. I'm sure at this point it's time for us to segue into my wrap up thoughts and <laughs> I'll be back with you guys in a second. All right, ladies and gents, thank you for tagging along in the conversation me and Brian had about the 2020 U.S. Open. It was definitely one for the record books. It was wacky. It was sometimes hard to watch and other times just as exhilarating as if it were any other normal tennis tournament during a non-pandemic year. So I, for one, am just happy that I get to or got to watch the sport on its grandest stage or one of its grandest stages again, because that was definitely in question. There were a couple of weeks there that the USTA, the United States Tennis Association, which basically helps organize that entire event, they were definitely sweating. (laughs) Their eyebrows were definitely sweating, or they were sweating in general about possibly putting this tournament on. So, So the tournament did go off. I wouldn't say it went off without a hitch. There were definitely some hitches in it. Djokovic's default was one of them, even though he deserved it, in my opinion. And there was also some drama with some French players. I didn't really go too much in depth into it in the conversation, but just for scope, just so you know, there was some issues with a couple of French players. I think they named them the Pair 11, just because the player that was originally tested positive for COVID, his name was Benoit Pair. There were about 11 or so other players that happened to be from France that obviously interacted with him. So they basically created their own bubble inside of the U.S. Open bubble to make sure that the infection didn't spread anymore. So that caused a little bit of a controversy and got some people talking. But other than that, the tournament was a success. I'm so excited to see Naomi Osaka come through the way she kind of came through. I think her maturity is going to be something that the sport needs. I think overall, the way she carries herself on the court and the way she makes the sport look so dynamic is going to ultimately be great for a lot of people to watch. She brings fans from literally all over the globe. And although I think she is sometimes a little bit awkward and sometimes a little bit timid, I think it works for her in her own relatable way. So again, congrats to her and also congratulations to Dominic team. For whatever reason, I feel like his result is a little bit of a sub bar. But again, that just be my that just might be my perspective. But I am happy that someone outside of the quote unquote big four, it's not quote unquote, they win everything. But I'm I'm happy somebody outside of the big three or big four won a grand slam and that will forever be a moment that people can look for as somewhat, I guess, of a changing of the guard. We will that will remain to be seen because as we teased in our conversation, the tennis world does not stop. It's like a roller coaster and around and round and around and round and around and round we go. No Moesha.
<laughs> if you get that reference, then you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I definitely am interested to see what happens the rest of this like mini season that tennis is having. Uh, and it switches straight to the clay court tournaments in Europe. So I'm interested to see how that looks. I promise that this podcast will not be solely about who's winning and losing in the tennis world. I promise I have more to talk about than that. It's just that for right now, tennis is it. We haven't had tennis in about six months. And for the past three weeks, we've had a lot of it. So there's a lot of storylines and stuff to talk about. So I can't say with my full chest what the next topics will be. But once I get my... Once I get off of my tennis high horse, I definitely will be giving you guys a little bit more interesting content that actually has a lot to do with me, I guess you can say. Tennis is a part of me, but there are definitely other parts as well, and I want to share that. So that's all I came on here to say. You know, I got to wrap up and put my two cents into everything. So here we are. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. I definitely appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please make sure that you rate it. Give it a review if you'd like, and just give me some feedback. Jump in my comments on Instagram or Twitter. The handles are the same. It's missing point pod. I'm confident that my viewers can find the Instagram and Twitter. I'll link it below. What am I talking about? There's no, this is not YouTube. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm rambling. It's late. I want to finish uploading this so you can enjoy the podcast just as much as I did. So, with all that being said, I hope you guys have a great day, evening, night, whenever you're listening to this. And I continue to say that this is a journey and I appreciate your support in the journey. And I will catch you guys in the next episode. All right. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.